Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Always a pleasure and an honor to come and bring you the word. Bring you the word. I'm ready to feed your spirit and your soul. And um, as I always say, prayerfully, you will leave here tonight better than when you left. So with that being said, this is our um, conclusion of this mini-series on character good deeds, and the nature of Christ. I think it's been a really good series, a very informative series, and uh, we're going to close it out tonight and see what the Lord has. And um, if you don't mind, I'm just going to also open up in just a word of prayer to set myself in agreement with the Lord, and we will go from there. Okay? So, Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you uh, together with your people here on one accord and offer and commit this meeting to you. May everything that is said and done be for your glory. We ask that you enrich us, Lord God, with your wisdom and revelation and empower us to take what it is that we are learning tonight and uh, act on it and execute with excellence in honor of who you are and who we are in and through you. So I ask that you use me, Father God, as the platform by which your truth flows unhindered and unchecked by any force. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So this is actually part two of the nature of Christ portion of this series. The first session we did, we found out a little bit about how we were distinguishing what the nature truly means. Because we opened up with character and it kind of sometimes can be uh, intertwined and you know, interchanged a lot, those two terms, but hopefully you're getting some new insight about what that term nature of Christ means. And so tonight we're just gonna jump right into it. I am gonna sort of piggyback though on the foundational scripture that we used to open up the nature of Christ. And that actually came from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. And so what we're going to look at tonight, we get to see how uh, God has allowed us such honor. Listen to this, 2 Peter 1, 4. It says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises, these are the promises that enable you and I to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So I just wanted to reiterate tonight that we are partakers. We are partners in this with him. We get to share in his divine nature. And we talked about how there's elements of his divinity or his deity, if you will. And then there was, uh, as he came as son of man, certain parts of his nature or his character that we exposed as well. So part of the divinity was this sinless nature of who Christ was. Okay, we talked about how he was the only person to walk the earth without sin. And so that came from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, that says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And so being able to recognize the fact that 
He now lives in us. And so therefore, we too have been granted access to the ability to be free from sin. And I think that's good news right there. Amen? Okay, so basically what I wanted to sort of also clarify with this is remember we talked a while ago when we talked about identity, about the fact that those of us who have placed faith in Jesus Christ have been called and declared to be saints of God. Okay, and remember there are, biblically speaking, now that Christ has come and risen, two, let's just say, categories of people. There are the sinners and there are the saints. Everyone is a creation of God, but not everyone is a child of God, which means simply everybody, the Bible says, was born into sin, right? We were born into this sin-filled world with the sin nature. We were born with that sin nature. And when I say that, Remember, sinners, because of their identity, sinning is just in their nature. It's what they do. Before you and I got saved, it would be sort of natural, if you will, for us to gear towards sinful behavior, thoughts, and activities. However, having been redeemed from the curse of the law and sin of death, we now, as saints, are free from the sin nature, free from sin's ability to control us. It's not that we can't have an act of sin, okay, but the nature of who we are. Remember, old things have passed away and all things have become new. This is what we want to adopt as far as a mindset so that we don't let sin rule and reign in our lives. And so what I want to do is just quickly go through a few scriptures that will sort of solidify that principle because, again, if we set our mindset there as we go through tonight, it's going to empower us to know who we are and what we can do based on the nature that resides on the inside of us. So this last sentence here says, uh, with salvation comes again the redemption uh, from the curse of sin and death. It's no longer in our nature to sin even though we possess the ability to sin. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2. And this one here is just a uh, indication, like I said, um, scriptural support for the saints' identification. So it says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those consecrated and purified and made holy in Christ Jesus, who are selected and called to be saints, which is God's people, together with all those everywhere who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. So this here, ladies and gentlemen, gives us support for our identity as saints in God, okay? And therefore, again, we were talking about how that sinful nature plays into this. Let's look at a few more scriptures as we go through this just to enlighten our understanding. We want to look at Romans chapter 6 verses 6 through 7. And it says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. 
okay? So remember the distinction that we're making. We are free from its power of that sin nature. And to keep going in this same avenue, if you will, let's look at Romans 6, verse 12. Romans 6, verse 12 says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. So just the, the wordage and the verbiage of that right there is telling us, it says, do not let or allow, which means, guess what? We have control over it now. Before we were saved, we had no control over that. We couldn't empower, using the name of Jesus, to tell sin and temptation and the devil where to go, right? But we can now. And so this is where I want you to hone in on as we go through this. Look at Romans 6, 14. It says, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Now, a lot of times when this is taught, it can be misconstrued and people kind of take it out of context. It's not saying that God's grace is an excuse for us to sin. Amen? It's just saying his grace allows us to not be under the power and control over sin. It is no longer our master. So, with all of that talk <laughs> about the nature of being uh, set free, set free from sin, this is what I think we need to have an understanding of in order to apply what we're about to look at Next, So keep that in mind. What I want to do for the main portion of tonight's lesson is I want to talk about the nature of leadership as it pertains to the nature of Christ. Okay, so the question is, what aspects of Christ's nature made him the greatest leader of all time? Because ladies and gentlemen, he is our mentor, right? He is our... Um, He's the mark. He sets the bar for what we should be purposing to uh, mirror our lives with as well, which means if he was a great leader, then you and I have been called to be great leaders. And what we're going to look at tonight is what was it that he did on earth that constituted, what was it about his nature that allowed him to be a great leader? Okay, so with that being said, we're going to go through a couple points. And the very first point, for those of you who are taking notes, I will leave hopefully this up on the screen long enough for you to jot down if you like to. But I'm going to start with what I think was a great aspect of the nature of Christ. And that is the fact that he was a disciplined man. Amen. He had self control. It was in his nature to be disciplined in self-control. And why do I say that? Um, because anybody who can fast for 40 days and 40 nights absolutely must have discipline and self-control. I know for some of us, or for me, let me speak for myself, sometimes 24 hours can be hard, right? <laughs> Talk about discipline. It's like the sixth hour and we're already, you know, having issues. But the nature that is within us, okay, at the very least, <laughs> 40 days and 40 nights. That's an example of his discipline and self-control. Another point that I made, and I'm just going to kind of go through some of these here, 
under the umbrella of discipline and self-control, being a part of Christ's nature, this was a man who, while on earth, avoided retaliation in spite of everything that he faced. And I mean, we don't know opposition like Christ knew opposition or persecution, okay? And so for him, he had to execute the nature of discipline in order to avoid retaliating against all the mess, let's just say, that he had to face. And so therefore, for you and I, the reason why we're bringing up these points is because remember, it's about practical application. We need to look at our own lives and we need to look at the times when we come up against opposition and we come up against mess and different things like that. And we need to remember that it is in our nature to avoid retaliation. Remember, God says, vengeance is mine. And that was a whole nother series we talked about. But just recognize that you do have that ability. The other thing with regards to this particular aspect is that Christ himself, he wasn't really concerned about what other people thought about him. Again, the opposition, the way they talked about him, or even if he was, let me tell you this, he didn't really let it show, which was the self-control part of it, right? And again, you and I, every day, how many times are we presented with a circumstance or a situation or a person where the temptation to take an offense comes up? How many opportunities did Christ have to take an offense, and he chose not to. So for us, we need to remember that being offended, that's not even in our nature. That's not even in our nature because it wasn't in Christ's nature. He was not led by his feelings also, okay? This is another one where, again, every single day we have that opportunity or that temptation to be led by our feelings, and there was a choice that Christ made to operate in discipline and to follow the word over his feelings. Because I'm sure he felt like retaliating, right? I'm sure he felt like taking an offense after what people did and said to him, but he made the choice and executed his discipline and self-control not to. And in order to do all that, of course, you have to be a person, a man or a woman, with boundaries and guidelines for your life. You have to be able to have an intention to detail so that you don't get distracted by all of the mess that's going on. If you want to be disciplined, you have to have an intention to detail. You have to have boundaries and guidelines in order that you don't get distracted by everything else that's going on. This is what we can glean from the life of Christ and his nature with as, um, as it pertains to being disciplined and self-control. And of course, there are many scriptures in the Bible that speak to God's command for us to be disciplined, that he gave us that spirit, right? 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, or some translations say, well-disciplined or self-controlled mind. So that is what we have. That is in our nature. Amen? Okay, so we are empowered. Let's see what else uh, we can glean from the nature of Christ. He was, and you tell me if I'm wrong, a courageous man. Was he not? Thank you. Courage. It takes courage to do what we talked about earlier uh, with regards to executing that discipline. Um, 
Courage was in his nature. He had to be courageous. Remember, courage doesn't mean that he didn't feel the fear. It doesn't mean that you and I won't feel the fear. But again, that choice, that empowerment to forge ahead in the face of what you might be fearing. Because remember we talked about last week about how Christ was mission-minded and purpose-driven, and he had you know, his mind focused on his assignment. So if you focus on that, you won't be able to, or you will have a better chance of avoiding being controlled by fear, which we said don't be led by your feelings. He was not a quitter. It wasn't in his nature to quit. Even though he felt like quitting, I'm sure, even though you and I, we feel like quitting probably, again, more times a day than most people, depending on what we're coming up against. But we need to keep in mind what's on the inside of us. And it's just, I say it all the time, it's not in my nature to quit. It just doesn't even feel right to entertain quitting, okay? Because it doesn't represent who I am and who Christ is in me. And same with you. You must also recognize that Christ was very bold. As humble as he was, as, you know, pure as he was, this was a man who distributed or demonstrated, excuse me, boldness. And one of the ways he did that was the Bible says, and he commands us to do the same, speak the truth in love. He told it like it was, did he not? He didn't sugarcoat things. There were many, many examples where the boldness of Christ's nature was demonstrated in the earth. He wasn't an argumentative man either. He didn't get into little arguments with people. He didn't try to defend everything that he did. He just walked in the truth of what he knew between him and God, what his assignment was, and that is how you and I need to reflect that nature. Don't get caught up in uh, petty arguments. If you need to um, address something, speak the truth in love, but with boldness and confidence. Okay, that is what Christ did, and we can do the same. The other aspect of Christ's nature, he was courageous, he was bold, and he also had discernment. Huge discernment. Because as he was navigating through life and everything that was going on, he had to be plugged in to the Holy Spirit in ways, again, that would keep him on track. Because the way they were coming at him with different things, the Bible says that Christ was able to perceive people's intentions. He would call them out on it. You know, they would say things and they would always test him and tempt him and try to trip him up. They were always trying to catch him up in something to be able to say, see, you aren't who you say you are. Christ said, look, I see you and I know what you're trying to do. And how did he always respond with the word? So the power of discernment was in his nature. God gave him that in order for him to be effective in the earth. And God gave us that same power of discernment to be effective in the earth. So for you and I to pray for that discernment to be in operation in our lives so that we don't get pulled in every direction based on uh, false intentions from others. 
Okay, so just bullet point these, ma these main areas that we're looking at about what constituted the nature of Christ. Courageous, bold, the power of discernment. And here is another one for you guys. I don't know about you, but when I read the word and I'm going through the gospels and I'm reading how Jesus approached different situations, he was a very optimistic man. <laughs> the nature of Christ was he always saw the best in people or looked for the solution over focusing on the problem. They came to Christ with every problem under the sun, and what did he do? He was telling them, you know, uh, let's just say they ran out of uh, what food at the wedding, right? The wine and the and the. He said, "Tell me what you got. This is what we're gonna do." He didn't, again, focus on the problem. He focused on the solution when he was telling his disciples to get in the boat, we're going to go to the other side, and the storm hit, they freaked out, right? They were like, Master, wake up. The storm is here. We're going to die. And he's like, why are you guys bothering me? I told you we were going to go to this. Believe me when I tell you. So there was never a time that I read where Christ addressed a situation with negativity or defeatedness, if that's a word. You know what I mean? It was his optimism because he knew, right? And so for us to be able to expect the best and not assume the worst of whatever situation we face, we can follow the leading of Christ whose nature was to be very optimistic about. I don't know about you guys, but I run into people all the time. And again, we talked about in the first part of the series about characteristics. And some people, they just are very pessimistic, seemingly by nature. It seems no matter what is going on, they're going to find a problem, right, in something that's going Christ was just the opposite. No matter what was going on, he always found the solution. Amen? And so for you and I, this is what we want to pursue and have demonstrated in our own lives. So, we have a man who walked the earth and his nature was to be very optimistic. In addition, when we think of the nature of Christ, would you not say that he was a very empathetic and very compassionate person? A very empathetic and compassionate. Now, I also put the word sympathetic in here because as I was doing my studies, I realized that all three of these words have different meanings, yet we sometimes interchange them all the time. But Christ, in his nature, I believe, demonstrated all three. Okay, so I'm just going to read through really quickly what I researched to be the difference between empathy, sympathy, and compassion, which are traits of God, uh, Christ's nature that reside on the inside of us. Okay, empathy is the ability to experience the feelings of another person. So it's kind of like you've been in that person's shoes, so you know more than someone else what they might be going through, right? So you can empathize because you've experienced 
what they are experiencing. Whereas sympathy is simply a caring or an understanding for someone's suffering. So I might not have gone through what you're going through, but you know what? I love you and I care about you, so I sympathize with you. I'm concerned about what is happening to you and I express my sympathy. I personally, let's see if this is a good example. Um, I don't know what it's like yet to have lost a parent. So I cannot empathize with someone who has, but I can sympathize with them. Does that make sense? Okay, great, thank you. And so what we also need to recognize is that in addition to empathy and sympathy, there is this component of Christ's nature, which is compassion. And again, the most compassionate man to walk the earth. Compassion is a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress with a desire to alleviate that distress. So if you are a compassionate person, you're not just empathizing, you're not just sympathizing, you are purposing to do whatever you can to help that person alleviate that suffering. It's sort of like if I'm sick, we have a nurse here in the audience, if I'm sick and she sees that I'm sick and she has something that can help me, she's just not going to say, oh, here you go, babe, I'm so sorry, you're feeling so bad. If she has something that she can give to me to help me, she's demonstrating compassion, helping to alleviate that suffering that I'm going through. That's what nurses do on a daily basis. That's what Christ did. He's our what? Great physician. Amen? Right? So look at how this is all playing into the depths of Christ's nature. Sometimes you might have conversations with people again, and you ask about the nature of Christ, and they're just going to say the surface things that we know about him. But I'm hoping we're learning the depths of Christ's nature. And this here says that with compassion, it was especially in regards, as far as Christ is concerned, um, where children and the less fortunate were concerned. That was his, I mean, his whole ministry is if there was a situation where there was someone that was less fortunate experienced something or a child involved, this man demonstrated full compassion. So again, you and I have this ability as well. So I don't know about you, but so far I think these are some really, really inspiring aspects of the nature of Christ that we can, if we, if we plug into this every day, ladies and gentlemen, again, the way we perceive and interact with the world will change. It really will. So let's see what else we can discover about the depths of Christ's nature. One of the things, again, all of these I love, and so I'll probably say all of them are great, but the next thing in studying about who Christ was and his nature, oh, the great defender. He was a great defender and a warrior. Not a warrior, but a warrior, okay? He had a heart for justice. It was in his nature to defend the weak. Again, like I said, expand that compassion. It was in his nature to fight for those who couldn't fight for themselves. That warrior mentality was in him, but it was a very subtle at times aspect of his nature. But nonetheless, it was there. In order for him to defend and demonstrate that warrior aspect of his nature, 
he had to make himself accessible to the people. So I deemed that part of his nature was his accessibility. So for you and I, we need to ask ourselves, are we making ourselves accessible for people to be able to partake of the nature that resides on the inside of us, right? This is something that is very, very powerful for, again, creating change around us, making ourselves accessible. Christ was accessible. Christ would be on a mission, walking down the street, doing one thing, and then all of a sudden, if someone came to him, I'm thinking of the woman with the issue of blood right now, and he was in that crowd of people, and he stopped and he said, somebody touched me. And the people were like, well, everybody's touching you. He said, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me and power left out of me. So he had to stop and acknowledge the faith that was being demonstrated in that moment. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But he didn't say, oh, I don't have time for this. I, I got to keep going. You know, he, don't, he didn't really turn away folks when it was in his ability and power to provide for them what they needed. So his accessibility, his heart for justice, his being a defender of the weak and a warrior is just who he was. It's just what he did. It came naturally for him. Matter of fact, it came so naturally it threw people off. They couldn't understand. Why are you wasting your time doing this, right, when we've got all this going on over here? But he perceived, amen, what the end mission was, and he was committed and disciplined to carry it out. So that makes me excited. I, I pray it makes you excited because, again, these things are in you as well. Now, we're going to keep on going here. We're just going to keep layering this cake. Any you guys like cake? You know, people say, well, I like seven-layer cake, eight-layer cake. This is going to be about a 15-layer cake here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so we're going to talk about the nature of Christ's transparency. Oh, authenticity and transparency was an aspect of Christ's nature that I think sort of speaks to his accessibility, right? Because he was so authentic and so transparent and so genuine, it allowed people to want to come to him in the first place, he wasn't disingenuous or fake. He was the quote-unquote real deal, okay? And so in order to be authentic and genuine, you can't be a self-ambitious person. So it was not in his nature to seek his own good or his own ambition. And so not having self-ambition allowed him to be transparent. He didn't have to hide anything. He wasn't covert about his mission, right? Okay, so he made it very clear, and um, he didn't play games. This is just me putting this in my terminology that I think kind of helps us look at our own lives and how we're addressing people in situations, and it's so hard to get caught up. It really is, but if we just pause in that moment and we say, wait a minute, you know what? No, no, this is it. What was that old saying we talked about uh, WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? This is one of those moments where, again, all of this stuff we need to make sure that we're asking ourselves in these moments of daily life, what would Jesus do? What was in his nature that is now in me that I need to work on a little bit, okay? So transparency, work on being transparent and authentic and 
genuine and you will demonstrate the nature of Christ. Now, let's see. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're going to keep going. The nature of Christ, and this one's, I don't want to say obvious, but it kind of is. Gratitude, graciousness. Christ was a very gracious person. He was very appreciative. And what I mean by that, one of the ways in which I'm referring to is he never failed to give thanksgiving to God for everything. He knew that it was only in and through the power of the Holy Spirit that he was able to do what he did as he walked as a man here in the earth. And so the attitude of gratitude that we talk about, that was something that Christ himself demonstrated, his appreciation. He did not take his position or his leadership for granted. He was always, again, very humble and very transparent and very gracious about what he, because I don't know if, if anybody can think about what it would be like. I mean, we see people in the world today and what power can do to people, right? And how it can change and, let me say this, contaminate their nature Good people turn bad based on the power. Christ never let, and I'm getting ahead of myself because this is in one of the other slides, but he never let his power get to his head. He remained humble. One of the ways he did that was he had even himself, even as the great I am, he had a respect and honor that he demonstrated to those who were in those positions. And so... For us to never think, the Bible says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. I believe it was in Christ's nature, again, to know who he was, remember, to have that boldness and that confidence, but to never think more highly of himself than he ought. And same thing with you and I. So have that respect and honor. It's in your nature to be respectful and honorable in all that you do and whomever you are. Uh, engaged with. So these are some of the aspects that are taken from all of the stories that we read about Christ in the four Gospels. The other aspect was, oh man, Christ Jesus was the greatest encourager to walk the face of the earth. In my opinion, he was the great encourager. This man, whenever he saw the people hurt or discouraged or doubtful or, as he would say, their faith was low or weak or little, he always encouraged them to be empowered. Always. He said, I know I can do this for you, but listen, it's not just what I can do. It's about what you believe that I can do. So I want you to be encouraged. Whatever you are going through, Christ would say, that your faith is the answer. So he encouraged people to be empowered by their faith. He would ask people, people would say, Jesus, I need you to heal me. I'm just paraphrasing. And he would say, well, do you believe that I am able and that I am willing? Because of course he could have done it, but he responds to faith like a magnet. It was in his nature to be drawn to faith. Again, that's why he could stop in the middle of the crowd or whatever and respond to the great faith. There was a story again in the Bible too where people were trying to get to him and it talks about 
throngs of people, you know, and just think of mass, you know. I don't know why I thought of this, but I remember years ago, years ago, when I was in my sports fanaticism, I, I think two years, went down to the Staples Center when the Lakers were on their uh, three-peat sort of championship type thing, and they had the parade for them. Oh my gosh, half a million people gathered in this area. You couldn't move, and the stage was up there, and people wanted to get to people. And so I think about this. I think about how Jesus had just these throngs of people, but yet those with the strongest faith were able to make their way to, to him. Um, there's a story, what I was saying was how these two people were trying to bring their friend to Christ, I think, and they couldn't get through the crowd, so they lifted him up, right, and carried him over the ceiling, down through the ceiling, above the building, down into the middle of where he was. And so those acts of faith being demonstrated is what Christ is drawn to because he himself is, it's in his nature to demonstrate that type of faith. He had faith in God to be able to fill what he was called here to do. And so I talk about radical faith uh, versus just average faith. We want to be people with radical, and when I mean radical, just very strong, immovable faith in Christ Jesus. He is the great encourager. That's who we want to go to, okay? So uh, another one that I think is very um, obvious, if you will, but we're going to put it in uh, because we want all of, as much as we can get of, of Christ, but it was in his nature uh-oh, hitting the wrong button. Don't do that. There we go. Ha, yes, the good stuff. Healer, healer, Christ my healer. It was in his nature to heal. There was, again, story upon story upon story where the majority of his mission was about healing. It's just what he does. Remember, we talked about the compassion. We talked about the sympathy and the empathy. And so for him, he was drawn to be able to uh, seek wellness and wholeness for people. And you and I, because that nature resides on the inside of us, he said he transferred that power and authority to us as well. So we should be living our lives seeking how we can be used by God, okay, to translate that same wellness and healing and wholeness to other people. It should be in your nature and in your mindset. Let me put it this way. You and I should not tolerate sickness in any shape or form in our bodies because, again, Christ has paid the price for our healing. It's in our nature to be well. It is not in our nature to be sick. In our bodies and in our soul, we might go through that, but our spirit nature... We are to seek wholeness and healing. And so I just wanted to put that in here to recognize that that was one of the major components of his nature was to heal. When I think about him coming to seek and save the lost, it was their soul, their spirit that was broken, if you will, or hurt. And so even though there were physical components, there was also that spiritual component that needed healing and wholeness as well. So the nature of Christ is healing. Now, one of the things that I thought was very interesting in studying the nature of Christ 
was how much of a prayer warrior Jesus Christ was. And so for you and I, and I keep hitting the wrong buttons. I'm sorry, you guys. There we go. Prayer warrior. It was in his nature to pray. And not just pray, but again, that word warrior. Okay, not a warrior. W-O-R. But they sound the same when I say it, but I know you guys understand the difference here. And so whenever... Christ did whatever it was that he did. He never didn't have, let's just say, time to pray. Because you and I know we say that, right? We say that often sometimes. Oh, I just didn't have time to pray. Well, he didn't have that option. It was in his nature to pray. It's what he did. And I'm not going to go through the details of these, but just for your knowledge to understand, again, the depths of prayer. You know, if we want to put it on a general term, prayer is just talking to God. But there's different ways in which were different purposes, again, in how we address God. So I just listed six different types of prayers. There's more depending on, again, who you're learning the research from. However, you can go in the Bible and find biblical or scriptural support for these six types of prayer. If you and I are going to be prayer warriors, ladies and gentlemen, we need to know the prayer of faith. We need to know the prayer of petition the prayer of agreement, the prayer of intercession, or even praying in tongues, the prayer of binding and loosing, and the prayer of praise and worship. So, the nature, what you and I should be demonstrating is incorporating all of this into our daily lives. We pray the prayer of faith, we pray the prayer of petition, but Do we pray the prayer of agreement? Who do we get ourselves in agreement with? When someone says, pray for me, I remember talking about this a few weeks ago to someone about how in this modern age of technology that we live in, people all the time will, let's say on social media, put a post and it'll say, pray for me, you know, such and such is going on or whatnot. And you'll see comment after comment after comment of people, you know, praying, praying for you, we're praying for you. Are you really praying for them or are you just saying that? We need to make sure that we are praying in agreement with people for them to receive their needs met. Because I don't know about you, but when I ask someone to pray for me, I'm expecting right, God to move and respond to that faith. So I always say, I kind of, you know, I don't just arbitrarily, unfortunately, you know, ask everybody because you don't know what everybody's praying for. So be in agreement with someone that God's will be fulfilled in your life. There's power in prayer, prayer of intercession. Maybe you don't know who to pray for or what to pray about. You can intercede, pray in the spirit, and you are speaking directly to God that perfect will and that perfect prayer. And so I believe, again, in the different ways in which Christ interacted in the earth, he incorporated that nature to stay in communication with his God. And you and I need to do the same thing. There is the prayer of binding and loosing. Again, Christ did not play. He knew his mission, and he wasn't afraid to bind and rebuke the enemy when he came against him. And you and I need to be able to understand that it is in our nature, again, to not tolerate the mess that the enemy tries to come up against us with. And last but not least here, just for this section, the prayer of praise and worship. Remember how I said The aspect of Christ's nature was gratitude and appreciation. 
thanksgiving, right? The prayer of praise and worship. And thank you, Father. He would purposely separate himself and go off in prayer. Again, remember, we talked about getting rid of those distractions and things like that in order to be disciplined. These are things that you and I, on a daily basis, need to incorporate, and we will then see the changes, and I believe, again, getting in agreement and alignment with God's will for our lives. So those are just, again, information for you to maybe go back and study in detail for yourself on being a prayer warrior, because Christ was a prayer warrior. It was in his nature. Now, I sort of tried to save the best for last, but again, I think all of these are the best. So what we're going to look at next may be something that I'm hoping will give you a pause to sort of evaluate how well this is being demonstrated in your own life. So the nature of Christ, one of the strongest elements of who he was in the earth and what he accomplished was being a servant leader, a servant leader or a sacrificial leader as well as a teacher. Teaching was just in his nature. It's what he did. I mean, when you think about how many parables there are in the Bible and how each one of those had a uh, purpose in teaching us, like that's just, you guys know people who are just, it's in their nature to have that sort of interaction with people that, that leads them and guides them and mentors them, where it's sometimes you get with people and they, it's just not, they're not really skilled or gifted <laughs> at explaining different things. Christ was very skilled at teaching as well as leading. And so what I want to do is just highlight how he was a servant leader and therefore how you and I, because again, if he was called to lead, you and I are called to lead and we need to know what that looks like. So let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 45. This is another one of those foundational scriptures, if you will. And it simply says that for even the son of man did not come to be served although he absolutely was deserving of it. He did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So it was in his nature because it was one of the main things for why he came. Yes, he came, again, to seek and to save the lost, to give us the abundant life, but to serve. And his motive for serving was love. So when you or I are called into positions of leadership, and in every way, it doesn't mean that you're standing on a platform. You may be called to lead your house or you know, on a job or just whatever the case may be. These are the components that you need to demonstrate. Your motive must be love. Christ was able to do what he did because of the love of the Father that he, or the love that he had for the Father, you and I as well. Again, we talked about the respect for authority. Leaders good leaders, <laughs> excellent leaders, again, recognize that there are others who are in leadership as well. And they don't compete with them. They don't, you know, talk about them. You have to learn how to respect authority. And Christ did as well. He did not abuse 
or manipulate his authority and his power. He simply walked in his truth. And I think for us to understand that is important because we do still have that unregenerated soul part of us that the flesh likes to come up and, you know, get big-headed, if you will. But remembering a true servant, sacrificial leader, will not abuse his power or manipulate it. Christ could have done anything, but again, he didn't do things just to be doing them, right? There was a purpose. He didn't just do things to show off. I mean, he could have. He didn't raise Lazarus to show off, right? He raised him to, again, encourage people to use their faith and to be um, a witness to draw people to the Lord and to the power of God. So there was purpose and intention for why he did what he did, and he understood that. One of the ways he was able to understand that was he knew how, in order to be a great teacher, you got to be a great student, okay? In order to be a great leader, you got to be a great follower, amen. And so for us to just adapt this nature that Christ had and know that it resides on the inside of us, evaluate your life and the circumstances that you come up against and ask yourself, do I have a student's heart as well? Am I willing and seeking to learn and to grow? I mean, Christ, from the time he was little, what did he say? I have to be about my father's business. He was in the synagogue. He was learning from even a young age. It was in his nature to be drawn to growth and increase of knowledge and wisdom, therefore you and I as well. So a heart for learning and continuously growing, being a student, being a good teacher, which you guys know, even though we don't know it all, we know something, we have an obligation to share that knowledge with someone else and teach others how to walk in this path so that we can all continue to grow spiritually on this journey. So a great servant, a great sacrificial leader and a great teacher. Those were aspects of the nature of Christ. And I found this next sort of quote, if you will, um, and I wanted to share it with you guys because I thought it was very interesting about how we look at things. So uh, you may not be able to read it too good on the wall, so I'm going to read this here for you. And it talks about there being a big difference between serving the needs of others and being a servant of others' needs. Because we talked about Christ being a servant leader and serving others, but there's a difference. And I think this will be sort of a uh, support for why it's important to have discernment, to know that you have to have a purpose for what it is that you're doing and just you know, I said Christ didn't do anything just to be doing it. Even his serving, he didn't serve just to serve. There were some times where if he would have serviced someone's need, it would have been in contrary to what God wanted. So let's look at this. Serving the needs of others. This is what we want to, this is what we want to aim for because this is what Christ had. Serving the needs of others is liberating, okay, or freeing. It implies recognizing their needs without judging them, and then doing what can be done in line with the higher purpose of serving God first to help satisfy that need. Hmm, 
Okay, so that's serving the needs of others, recognizing that they have a need, not judging them, doing what we can do that is still in line with the higher purpose of God, serving him first, and then helping to satisfy that need. But being a servant to others' needs, and then I put this word in here, that means you're a slave to other people's needs. Hmm, that requires that one must do anything and everything possible to satisfy those needs, whether it is in line with one's service to God or not. So in a way, it's sort of saying, you, you, you know how the flesh can be very manipulative, right? And those who are in need can sometimes trip you up and make you a slave to their needs, okay? And now that's causing you to get out of line with what God told you to do because now you're just caught up in serving a need or what we talked about a few weeks ago, doing a good deed, but is it really what God wants you to do with the right motive, in the right place, in the right time. So basically it's just saying, don't become a slave to others' needs, but purpose to serve their needs in alignment with God's will. Does that make sense to everybody? I think it's just important, again, because that word liberating is freeing. We don't want to get caught up in, um, I said how Christ does things decently and in order. Okay, so serving also has to be done decently in order. We can't be in all places at all times and do, be all things to all people. So we have to have that balance. We talked about balance, that self-control, and all of that. And that's just where I want to make sure that, because the enemy, I know how sneaky he is. And he'll just try to, again, say, oh, well, you know what? It's your nature to serve. It's your nature to give. It's your nature. And the next thing you know, you're doing it all out of order or out of alignment with God's will. And we don't want to do that. So I call that just putting the enemy on notice, a public service announcement that I see you and I'm not going to let you turn my blessing into a burden. Amen? All right. It should be a blessing to serve. So I hope that that 15-layer cake we just digested will continue to feed you as you go on through your night and your week and let that nature of Christ dwell on the inside of you, and that way you can, as they say, walk it out. Okay, let's walk this out and demonstrate this to the world. They need to know. They need to know. So I really, really uh, could go on and on with the nature of Christ, and we could continue to dissect this and that kind of thing, but I think that has a great practical application. You should have learned something here tonight that you can put into practical application into your everyday life. So with that being said, uh, the accountability assignment this week is the same as it was last week, and that is simply to highlight three things that you learned new here tonight. Or if it wasn't so much new, maybe you got new revelation about something tonight. And I want you to really kind of extract what those things are, and focus on them as it pertains to your insight regarding the nature of Christ. And then, of course, we always talk about self-examination. That was the other thing that Christ did. Examine himself, right? We need to examine ourselves and determine which areas that we are, you know, doing very well in, being successful in demonstrating the nature of Christ. And then there's those other areas that we could work on and have some improvement in. And you can do this, I mean, tomorrow. 
Tomorrow you can take one of those aspects, focus on that purpose to walk it out and demonstrate that and imagine what good can come from that. The Lord will be well pleased. So I pray that that was a blessing to you. I know it was really kind of fast. Again, it will be on the recording, so maybe part of your assignment will be to go back and listen to it again and replay it and meditate, meditate on the Word of God. But for that, for me, concludes our four-week series on character, good deeds, and the nature of Christ. Was that good for you? It was good for me, and I know that, you know, I can't wait to see what else God decides to deposit on the inside of me and share with you all and uh, deposit into your pastor and share with him. And we're just going to keep coming back and coming back and growing and getting full and giving God all the praise and all the glory. So your commitment and your support is greatly appreciated. I want to, if you don't mind, close this out and then I will turn it over to the pastor for announcements. Okay. So dear Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you together on one accord again with your dear people, Lord. What a privilege and an honor it is to service you in our lives. We thank you for being our role model. We thank you for coming and setting a standard for us to follow that you may be glorified continuously in the earth. We ask that you help us, Lord, equip us with strength, with boldness, with the ability to walk in the power and authority that you've given us the same way that Christ did when he walked the earth. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love, Lord God, that is continuously flowing in and through our lives. I just want to lift up the needs of everyone in this room tonight and everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord. We thank you for being our source and that you have unlimited resources and ways in which you can manifest your promises in our lives. So we give you an advance praise and thanksgiving for healing, for peace, for deliverance, for restoration, for provision, Lord, for your joy, for everything that we need to be whole in Christ Jesus. We just thank you and we praise you and we commit this evening to you in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen.